entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals who seek excellence, bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show. Here's Marty Wolf. We still got a long way to go. Yes, we all got a long way to go. Welcome to the Business Builders Show with Marty Wolf, the show for entrepreneurs, business owners, and business leaders. I'm Marty Wolf, your host for the Business Builder Show, and along with my executive producer, D.C. Taylor, we will be your guides on this learning journey. Let me tell you my super objective in being with you today. I want to enthusiastically share stories and information to inspire leaders. If you're listening to this podcast, you are a leader, so you can inspire others. My guest with me today is Nisa Amoyles. Hi, Nisa. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? Oh, uh, you must be busy, busy, busy. So let me let me say this before we actually begin. So we are recording this interview with Nisa the second week of April 2020. The world has been disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. We fully expect this discussion with Nisa to be valuable right now and in the future. So, Nisa, I'm going to tell people your website right out of the gate. It is nisaamoyles.com. Am I correct? Correct. All right. Now, she is a venture capitalist. She's been early in the blockchain and subscribes to the convergence theory that blockchain underlies most areas of disruptive innovation, such as IoT, autonomy and robotics, artificial intelligence, augmented and virtual reality. Nisa has been named to the top 50 global fintech thought leaders, business insider list of 30 women in venture capital to watch, and top 100 women in fintech in 2019. She also wrote a great book called WTF is Happening, which stands for Women Tech Founders on the Rise. So, Nisa, well, thanks for coming back on the show. We are going to talk about an article that you wrote that is extraordinarily timely in what's going on in the world. The title of that article is Technology and Data, or Data, however you want to say that, are the new weapons in the war on COVID-19, in parentheses, coronavirus, by Jane Thomason and Nisa Amoyles. Nisa, we're going to talk about that, but I'm going to read the first sentence in this because I think it sets up our discussion. The pandemic is the first real test of futuristic and disruptive technologies that have been in development for decades. So talk to me, maybe give me the overview of the article, Nisa. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me back. We had a blast last time talking about my book. Um, We're all in lockdown right now, so it's a little bit of a different time, but we wrote this article because we felt it was really important as Everybody was doing social distancing and washing their hands and feeling like what else could be done in this war against the virus. We wanted to highlight all of these different technologies that have been accelerating for a while but are now converging in different ways and how they are being used in this war. And you know, just in general, how these technologies can be used for social good, which is something we talk about all the time. So, so everything ranging from robotics and drones to artificial intelligence, to blockchain, to 3D printing, 
Let's go yeah. at them one at a time. When first of all, I think if we had a lot of these technologies further advanced, than, at least in the United States, um, we'd probably be in better shape. Now, that's my own editorial comment. That's not Nisa's comment. But let, let's start right down and let's go right in the order of the article because I, I think it's a great way to to approach this discussion. The first thing you talk about is a crisis of trust and media. Talk to me about that. This is the first time we're all in this um kind of situation where we have social media and a lot of people are on social media searching for the truth and there's a lot of fake news out there. So Mm -hmm. a lot of companies have come together, particularly um, using blockchain technology to be able to figure out what the scores and ranks of, of trustworthy social media accounts under an algorithm to map out the actual epidemic and and who Mm. to follow on Twitter. So I think that's really, really interesting. A lot of people don't trust what the data is, what their um, news sources are reporting who are relying on the data. So it's, it's a matter of using blockchain to turn to this data source and then authenticate the data sources that are coming in from multiple places. And, you know, blockchain just makes that um, immutable and, and tamper-proof. Why is that happen? Why is that, why is that statement true? I, I want you to tell me what Hive is, but then answer this question first, I guess. Why is blockchain the methodology or the tool, whatever words, to help us get the current and accurate information? Well, I mean, it's basically a distributed ledger technology and it, it can be accessed from multiple places and it, it, it is immutable. And so, so the data cannot be tampered with. Now, that's on the assumption that you have to have good data going in mm-hmm. because you could yeah. get garbage in, garbage out as well. It, you know, the, I think that... It makes it all more trustworthy because it's based on mathematical equations. And once it's there, it's it's there. Right. It can't be changed. What's Hive? You mentioned, by the way, folks, um, I'm going to read the title of the article again. All the information we talk about and more. We won't get all this is the title of the article is technology and data are the new weapons in the war on COVID-19 in parentheses coronavirus by Jane Thomason and Nisa Moyles. So you can find that. Just look that up in the show notes. I will have the link to that. Tell me what Hive is, Nisa. Can you read the um, sentence where I talk about Hive? A group of crypto-minded researchers, engineers, designers, and fans of the space that scores and ranks trustworthy social accounts has developed another algorithm to map the actual, I can't say that word, epidemiologist to follow on Twitter. Right. So, so, yeah, so what's that yeah. about? So, so again, a lot of people in crypto and blockchain were already uh, working in a decentralized manner. So, the, so this work from home situation is not that much of a change. They were mm-hmm. already working in consortiums, groups of people coming or companies coming together. And so Hive is just one of those examples. Another mm-hmm. is not mentioned in the, in the article because it came out after, but it's called MePasa. And it's a coalition between IBM, Microsoft, and Oracle, and the World Health Organization, Johns Hopkins, and the CDC, Center for Disease Control. So uh, it's very similarly, they, they are trying to aggregate 
data from different clouds and be able to authenticate that data and make sure you can use blockchain to track the spread of the virus, um, the number of testing kits, the number of mm-hmm. new cases. Tell me the name again and maybe spell it for me so I can get it and right. It's MIPASA, M-I-P-A-S-A, MIPASA. Okay, got it. Okay, so artificial intelligence um, obviously should be and is, I guess, playing a, a big role in technology and data being one of the new weapons in the war on COVID-19. So talk to me about what you see in terms of artificial intelligence and how that's affecting things. One of the biggest trends that has emerged from this is the concept of telehealth or um, Mm -hmm. diagnosing symptoms from afar without being in person with a doctor. Mm -hmm. And that's really where artificial intelligence is playing the biggest role, I would say. All of these startups that are facilitating that they one of them actually takes it a step further um they provide crowdsourced patient diagnoses to nearby hospitals so they can send Mm -hmm. the right patient to the right hospital and manage manage overflow which is one of the biggest problems here in this pandemic is is Mm -hmm. managing hospital overflow but uh, basically, you know, you, you would give somebody your symptoms and then based on other people who have given similar cis- symptoms, they can, you know, they, they're careful about calling it a true diagnosis, but they can direct you based on what you're seeing to mm-hmm. the right place. And right. that cuts down on a lot of risks of, you know, just meeting in person and di- trying to diagnose in person yeah. A, um, you know, an average um, coronavirus patient has more than 2,000 CAT scan images during their hospitalization. And the amount of work that is required to manually read and compare the image data from every patient is just cut down by using artificial intelligence and speeding exactly. up that process sure. and, and avoiding errors and then, you know, speeding up treatment. So the intelligence learns it's as, as it's taking information, it's learning, and it obviously can expedite the answers that the uh, patient or the doctor needs. Um, great time to really get that into full swing. A couple more points that I, you know, the idea of surveillance, I guess, is, uh, is probably a big topic. Um, you know, I would think because there's big data and surveillance is, um, is overall a big topic. Um, mm-hmm. but, how do you see that in terms of being a weapon in the war on COVID-19? I think, you know, Panasonic is one of the companies that's using facial recognition, like FacePro, to identify people who are wearing masks or people with, you know, like they can scan the um, body temperatures. Can and tell your temperature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so I guess, you know, that would help with cracking down on the lockdown, like who, who's supposed to be in lockdown and who may right. be violating the lockdown or, or tracking the spread um, based on, you know, who's wearing masks. The other way is I think in Israel, they're using um, aggregated and anonymous mobile phone data to do that. And, you know, to warn users from engaging with other people who might be infected. I Obviously, all of this as you point out, raises the bar in terms of living um, with privacy versus a surveillance state. And because we're in a time of crisis, 
have people's attitudes towards that changed? Are they more willing to give up their privacy now in order to get the accurate information? And if they are willing to, is that just temporary, right? Or, or is this going to yeah. become a permanent right. surveillance state? That's what's uh, going to be discussed very uh, diligently in the next few weeks and months. But company or countries rather like South Korea and China are using a lot more of these tools than uh, we are in the United States. Am I accurate in that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're way ahead in, in these technologies. And so uh, I think, you know, even um, as the outbreak was only in China for a while, there were, you know, tons of startups that popped up to use uh, all these different technologies to try and combat the virus. And, you know, here in the United States, there are some, but it seems to be mostly the existing big tech companies that are that are getting on board. I be willing to bet that many of us are wishing we had all this uh, in this time. Uh, again, after it passes, who knows what we'll be talking about or seeing. Again, Nisa Amoyles is my guest. Her website is nisaamoyles.com. Her last name is spelled A-M-O-I-L-S. A-M-O-I-L-S. nisaamoyles.com. And the title of the piece, again, that I'll put in the show notes is Technology and Data. Are the new weapons in the war on COVID-19? Fascinating paper, fascinating discussion. Maybe the last point, I mean, there's so much to talk about in this, Nisa. I love the thing about 3D printing. You know, it's kind of a space that I've been following for a while. So so talk to me about that as uh, something um, that's really can be very helpful in times like this. Yes, I, I'm sure you've read about all the 3D printing of masks that are yeah. happening with it, this shortage of supply. But I thought it was really interesting that in Italy, they were 3D printing valves for hospitals, yeah. for equipment. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think it was like Volkswagen who was doing ventilators. And I mean, there, there, there were a lot of companies transitioning to producing ventilators, but they had a um, testing of their supply chain to see how they can use 3D printing to speed up the production. So I think we'll, we'll start to see this um, being more commonplace, 3D printing, and we'll start to see all these technologies. I think this is, you know, the genie's out of the bottle and we're not going back to not using them. Yeah, leaders like you are uh, terrible to say it this way, but it's kind of like you're maybe sitting there saying, I told you so. <laughs> Why didn't you pay more attention? You're probably thinking that. Maybe you won't say that publicly. <laughs> but uh, I could see that, you know, well, I, w I personally wish we were further ahead on this. So talk to me at the last thing that we want to talk about again, because we uh, I know you have a very busy schedule and uh, I know you're uh, in demand on uh, big channels and all that kind of stuff. So talk to me about business and academic institutions and how they're chipping in about technology data in this whole pandemic relate business and academic institutions to this uh, discussion yeah so we talked about johns hopkins providing data um, that a lot of people are following their data um, the world economic forum and also com private companies like alibaba they established the global meta exchange to help um, combat the outbreak. And this facilitates online communication and collaboration across borders mm -hmm. and provides frontline medical teams around the world with secure communication channels to share experiences. 
they also offer overseas Chinese citizens who are affected with AI, big data, and cloud computing capabilities. Hmm. Whole new world we're entering, Nisa. You're going to be my go-to for all this information. You're ready for another interview? Yeah, yeah. Down the well, we, we didn't get to talk about all the, the robotics and drones that are doing I, I know. Still in dangerous tasks here. That um, Well, if you want to take a minute and talk about it, go ahead. If you have five more minutes or two more minutes, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, talk no, about I mean, it. It, it's fascinating it's to me is that um, these robots are being used to disinfect hospital rooms, ah, communicate yeah. with isolated people, take vital information, deliver medications. And, you know, drones are, uh, you've probably seen them flying all over the place these days, but they're spraying disinfectant or they're, they are patrolling public places, again, thermal yeah. imaging and making announcements. Like uh, I saw a drone in New York City flying the other day saying, please stay inside. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad you did bring that up. Um so much going on. Uh, we interviewed a, a guy named Jeremy Frank from a company called KCF Technologies. And what they do is they put sensors on machines to so you can see how the machine is healthy or not. You know, and they're implementing all these different things in this transition. They're already in the cloud, you know, measuring data. But now they're using all these other new techniques so that uh, manufacturers uh, can keep going. I mean, it's... Uh, this is a vital need. I mean, that's another thing that's happening, not only the things that you're talking about, but the the urgency and the importance of manufacturing mm -hmm. in America and worldwide is so critical. Um, so, yeah, fascinating. So you are my go-to on this, Nisa, so be ready for a call when I need you, okay? Absolutely, anytime. It's always a pleasure. All right, so Nisa Moyles is my guest. Again, go to nisaamoyles.com. I did mention her book that you'd want to pick this up to. Her book is... WTF is happening, which is Women Tech Founders on the Rise. Nisa, thank you so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. Likewise, thank you. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builder Show with Marty Wolf.